Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, Jude, I'm excited because today we are joined by an incredible creator who specializes in woodworking and geeky art designs. An educator by day, an artisan by night, we are delighted to welcome an all-around pop culture fan, TJ Buildstuff, to the podcast. Welcome to the show, TJ. Welcome, TJ. Thanks, guys. I was doing some prep before this podcast, and I am in love with the things that you were making uh, with your woodworking stuff. It is just so incredible. That paired with all the, the Mandalorian, Dadalorian stuff is so cool. Yeah, it's just sort of a fun hobby turned, I guess, side hustle. Mostly still a hobby, though. So it's it's fun to get out and make different things. I think you told me, because we worked together, and we told I think you told me about this, but what got you started with the Dadalorian stuff? Um, honestly, being stuck at home in quarantine while watching the Mandalorian, it just was an idea that popped into my head. I just thought, what what would it be like if they were stuck in quarantine? And I just kind of had that idea, that image, and I grabbed the iPad and I drew a picture of it and just posted it to my woodworking account for fun. And it, it honestly blew up more than any of the furniture I make. So <laughs> I decided to go with it. And then now just, you know, funny things my kids do inspire new episodes. And I've, I've made like 18 of them at this point. Yeah, that's great. I like that you, you do with each one and call it an, an episode. Oh, absolutely. You have to. Uh, and I'm maybe I'll break it up into seasons too, coming up here pretty soon. Different stages of life or something. We'll see. Yeah. Man, I got to say, because, you know, as I was going through and looking at all the, the artwork, the, the pun of Dadalorian and Mandalorian, it works so well because of the dynamic of those two characters in the show. I had no idea about that uh, quarantine dynamic of what it would be like if they were stuck to. That's really cool. That makes me want to go back and, and look at each one individually again and really take that aspect in, too. Plus, there are those moments where your your toddler's throwing a tantrum and you just think, yes, if <laughs> if they were force sensitive, this would be a real mess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's a that's a dynamic to uh, that's a parenthood thought. I've never thought about. <laughs> it's a scary thought. Like Trey would just be like, "What is that? Is that a cat? What?" <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, definitely wouldn't be a good parent. Wouldn't be a good Jedi parent. So that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> On those drawings, how long does each piece generally take you? Because um, they're uh, so cool. It, it kind of depends. And, you know, it's it's kind of my first step into digital drawing. And so kind of learning this the tool and being able to layer things together, I just I come up with a rough sketch. And then while I'm sitting on the couch at night watching TV, I just sort of color it in, shade it in. And, and some take a few days. Uh, sometimes... I know a lot of our coworkers listen to this, but sometimes I'll just be sitting in an in-service and I can do a whole episode <laughs> in, one, in one day. <laughs> yes. I love how doodling in class never really goes away, huh? Right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> 
you know, we talked about the artwork with the Mandalorian, Dadalorian stuff, um, you know, switching over to the woodworking stuff. How about that? Um, you know, how long have you been into creating furniture and handmade stuff like that? I, I think the creative side has always been there. Um, but when my wife and I bought our first house and she had a list of furniture items she wanted to fill the house with, and we didn't really have the budget for them, I just started throwing things together and over time the quality got better and people started offering to buy or to pay to pay for furniture so I, I was absolutely for that that was fun that the hobby started paying for itself and just try new things learn new skills over time it's been probably six years now well i think the first time i found out that you did that was one of the tables that's up at school yep and then i and i think Michelle talked about wanting to get you to do one for, for us. And I don't, I don't think that ever came about. Nope. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. That's really cool. All this stuff we talked about, we'll plug it now. We'll plug it again later. Uh, you can find it on Instagram at TJ underscore build stuff or www.shopdogwoodworking.com. And of course, all those will be linked in uh, the show notes as well. And that'll bring us to, you know, the purpose of this podcast obviously we'll be going through the latest episode of loki before we get into that tj it'd be awesome if you could give us a brief insight into your connection to the marvel cinematic universe and how you got started with that fandom yeah um i i don't have a background in the comics um but growing up in the 90s with just some amazing cartoons saturday morning cartoons mm-hmm. there was x-men animated series batman animated series Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was just a sucker for all of them. <laughs> and as a kid, had no idea which ones were related to each other and which ones weren't. So I think it was 2000 when that live action X-Men first came out. It was just, it was amazing. This is, man, I, I used to watch this show when I was little. Yeah. And, uh, and then immediately after the next year when Spider-Man came out, it was just, it was such a game changer, I think for all mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then fast forward 2008, Iron Man comes out and I mean, just think it's a standalone film and they they have the post credit with Nick Fury and I can remember vividly just immediately Googling to see the list of movies that were coming out next. And I remember thinking, oh man, the Avengers is in four years. I can't, but that's so long. That's gonna be forever. <laughs> But, you know, I, I nobody knew back then um, just is this going to be Easter eggs and little cameos and then what they turned it into. Um, I think like you guys, I've I've turned into the Kevin Feige super fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More recently, more recently, my wife and I, uh, we were watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and she was a big fan of WandaVision. And it, mm-hmm. just probably after episode two of Falcon and Winter Soldier, she said, maybe we should watch all the movies again. <laughs> and and my, I was so excited. <laughs> and so, that, I mean, that was, what, a month, just over a month ago. And I think we just we just finished black Panther last weekend. And so we're, we're caught up to infinity war. That's the next one on the list, but no, it's been fun to rewatch those while the Disney plus shows have been going on too. Yeah. My oldest daughter and I 
wanted to try and go through them this summer. We done Iron Man. We need to get to the next one. I think once once summer school's done and we have like all day and I don't have to worry about waking up early for for work, I think we're going to be able to tackle through a good chunk of them. That's so exciting. I'm I'm so looking forward to hearing those updates as well. So one one thing I got to say right here otherwise I'll get in trouble. My <laughs> oldest wanted me to ask you guys this. Do you consider the security guards at Samsung Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> well, I bet if we tweet at James Gunn, we'll get a definitive answer. He's pretty good about responding to fan questions like that. <laughs> Do they have bouncers at the Samsung store? The Guardians? You know I don't know. Probably, they should now. They the should now. <laughs> Yeah, I'd imagine so. I mean, you got to protect all that special tech. Well, on this note, I do want to, we got to, because we're about to get into the Loki review, but I want to do a little brief update because uh, last week, Jude, you mentioned uh, that the way this show is going to handle free will could be your equivalent of the truck from Falcon and the Winter Soldier for me. So as I was editing the, the episode last week, it finally occurred to me what I wanted to get you to to be your truck gift that you sent me. And <laughs> I sent it on, I bought it on Sunday. It was supposed to be delivered Monday. And I got the notification that it was delivered, but I never got confirmation from you. So I, in all my infinite wisdom, assumed like, oh, he's just waiting to reveal it on the podcast. So I'm not going to say anything. And we got all the way up to the recording and we finally talked about it. And you didn't realize that it was from me <laughs> because yeah. the note that I sent didn't actually get sent from Amazon. So yep, no note. Just to let everybody know, the gift that I ended up getting Jude to represent his free will conundrum with the show was a DVD copy of Free Willy. And my favorite part about this is that both Jude and Amity, when they saw it, just assumed that like, oh, I guess we own this now. They never investigated who yeah, bought we both, it. Yeah, it was like, it's like, did you order Free Willy? It's like, no, did you? She's like, no. And it's like, uh, I guess we own this movie now. I don't, you know, we, we even double checked the address to see if it was like a neighbor. <laughs> All that being said, the note, uh, long-winded run up to this, the note said, let's hope that Loki doesn't truck this up. <laughs> and so that was the, the whole joke that I was going to make. <laughs> oh, I wish I had that note. <laughs> oh, man. So all that being said, uh, that's going to lead us into the purpose of this episode. If you downloaded the show, you can see in the title, we're going to be reviewing season one, episode two of Loki titled The Variant. So we're going to take some time to give our pre-spoiler thoughts before we jump into the spoiler zone. This is our chance to just kind of give an overview of what we thought of the episode. So... TJ, if we can start with you, what were your pre-spoiler thoughts for Loki? First thought is these Disney Plus shows are deep. They don't mess around. <laughs> they let's let's have a show about grief followed mm-hmm. by race relations in America and then top it off with the meaning of existence and <laughs> the universe. So uh, I mean, you guys talked last week about the free will stuff, and they they really jumped right into that. So that I mean, that was that was quite a conversation. Yeah, and especially with this long form, it seems like you can. It, well, it's not that you can't tackle those kinds of things in the movie, but you can really, with the long form, dig in. I mean, we don't have to look further than Iron Man three. 
I would say Iron Man 3 and WandaVision, I think, deal with similar uh, PTSD and grief. And the room that WandaVision had versus what Iron Man had, like, you can see how much more richer it is when you have that long form. Yeah. So what about you, Trey? For me, I am honestly just blown away by how smart this show is. Um, Not only in the concepts that you were talking about, TJ, with free will and the way they're so just like easily discussed on screen with the characters but it the show itself is smart in the way that it delivers that concept i think to the audience there's so many wonderful metaphors or or techniques that they use of a protagonist who is becoming or learning in this world to help convey the things that they're dealing with and it's just i'm you know constantly marveling at that and it's really cool yeah it's a unique take on time travel It's not the typical, like, I go back in time and I'm going to alter what happens in the future. The way they're addressing the multiverse, as as a physics teacher, I kind of just wait and I'm looking for just where are they going to contradict themselves. But the way they're doing it is very different than anything I've seen. And I know, Jude, you mentioned that YouTube video about our loops, the, the new zombie movies. Right. This, this is even different from, from those types of stories, at least up until this point. I, I don't know what's coming, but... Yeah, yeah. No, that is a good point. They they are addressing it. Well, I mean, it's not the Back to the Future. It's not the, the Groundhog Day. And it's even it's, it's different than Endgame, even though Endgame was kind of jumping around a timeline, and they've kind of jumped around. Uh, it's a little bit different. So... What about you, Jude? What are uh, what are your pre-spoiler thoughts? I have two. First, I can I had a note that I can say that I've accepted the terms of the show because mm-hmm. because for all the trouble that I had with the first episode, mm-hmm. this episode had me sucked in where I was just like I, I bought in and I didn't kind of question the logic, which I really liked. And I was texting with um, friend Daniel about this. This episode might be one of the best Disney plus shows. Yeah. Like I, like I would put it up there with uh friend Daniel and I were talking about truth previously on, you know, and thinking about the other two series and what just top episodes stand out. This one has mm-hmm. to be there so far. Wow. We'll see what happens next. But that That's strong words for being two episodes into the series. That's really exciting. Yeah. Well, I'll say this because I were in the pre, pre spoiler zone. The end was not exactly something I was expecting. And mm-hmm. so that kind of that kind of made me it's like, wow, they they went there. Yeah. Well, I think that teases up wonderfully to jump into the spoiler zone. So like we've done previous weeks, we're going to play an audio cue. And on the other side, all spoilers for the entirety of the MCU up until this point will be fair game. So we'll see you on the other side. Well, we're back. We're <laughs> we're in the spoiler zone now. Uh, so we're going to break these down into the most important topics uh, as a way for us to, to cover the entirety of the episode and be able to branch off into different directions. So the first important topic that we're going to be dealing with today is called CSI Loki. Essentially, this will be dealing with everything where Loki is... Um, on the hunt for the other Loki variant and, uh, you know, really putting in the work towards almost being a time traveling detective. So, uh, TJ, we can start with you again. What did you think about that aspect of the show? 
Um, opening up with cubicle Loki, uh, that was very interesting to see someone like Loki sitting in a cubicle wearing a tie. I will say that. Uh-huh. But it was a different level of vulnerability, I think, than we've seen from that character where he's, I mean, false confidence has always been his thing, but where mm-hmm. he's just, he's so out of his element because the TVA sees right through him, right? They've, I mean, they've fought countless Lokis at this point. They didn't even say how many. So nobody, nobody's going to fall for any of his tricks. And so it's just him trying different things. It was such a different, I don't know. It just seems so out of his usual, just, I am, no, no, I am 10 steps ahead. I know everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really liked how they were able to build his character there but also give us a, a lot of that exposition and kind of explain like, we're just like Loki. We're learning, you know, mm-hmm. he's explaining past the red line, these nexus events and this collapse of reality as we know it. Uh, although I think that one line I did find interesting where it was that collapse of reality as we know it, um, mm-hmm. just cause trying to place where the TVA is in relation to everything and what reality is actually going to be collapsed when that happens. But I really did like, I mean, we're pretty much, learning as Loki learns. Yeah, I, I, you know, I talked about it in the pre-spoiler thought, and this is just one of the many examples of this show doing such great work to educate the the viewer as well as with Loki. I think they've paired those two ideas together. And it's, it's kind of like what we talked about in our, our mini Doctor Strange review with Katie Peters, where if you can have like a protagonist who's very skeptical of the world, that becomes such an easy on-ramp for the audience to learn as well. So I look, I like that that's what they're doing with Loki kind of in training to be a TVA agent. But but circling back to something you were talking about, uh, TJ, with uh, Loki being out of his element, um, I mentioned it last week. It is wild to me how when you put Loki in a situation where nobody buys into what he's saying so much of his charm is just gone. And uh, the, I think the scene that illustrates it the most for me is whenever they were in the tent and they were investigating that opening credit crime scene. And he's going on about like, oh, I see a trap. And in that trap, I see myself. And it was just like, he was going on and on and bloviating so much. And I like I was kind of like, okay, come on, go on with it. And the more I thought about it, I think it's really sh- serving two purposes for this show, which is... Uh, you know, it's still showing us that uh, that at this point, this Loki is still looking out for number one, uh, that nobody really buys into his stuff. But also on the show level, I think it's the show leaning into the ridiculousness of this, of, uh, you know, I was talking to, to Leech and I mentioned that if you would have told me prior to Infinity War that the third Disney Plus show we were going to be getting was like a crime scene show with Loki being the lead, I would have kind of rolled my eyes like I never would have believed it. But because this show is handling those tropes so well and navigating it wonderfully, like it, it, it all fits together because I don't know. I keep leaning back onto the skepticism. They're, they're leaning us easily into it. Yeah. So he, he does still see through some of the TVA's stuff. He, he referred to the TVA propaganda. I think at <laughs> one point he said, your propaganda is exhausting. So it, it's kind of a back and forth mm-hmm. where, Miss Minutes, which, by the way, what is Miss Minutes? The <laughs> well, something like I'm jealous asked, of, right? Are you a recording or real? And she said both. Both, I think. I think, I'm, yeah, I think that was the answer. That, uh, so I'm not sure. I'm sentient theory here to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> sentient theory. 
but it's so like because I mentioned I was jealous like I'd Maybe I should be careful what I wish for, but I would love to have like that hologram that can just like pop in and out of your device. Like that was so cool the way that he was able to interact with it, even though it was just, you know, seemingly a hologram. Yeah. And so she says the collapse of reality as we know it, like like you mentioned, Jude, and he just he sees right through it like the the video from episode one. That's Mm -hmm. just the all powerful timekeepers gave us peace and took away chaos and I mean, Mobius even talks about it later in the episode. So, so it's kind of this back and forth where you're like, who, who really has control of this situation? Mm-hmm. Because it, it doesn't seem like either side does, um, especially early on in the episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it and it's interesting because when you think about the the investigation through Loki's eyes, we're getting, you know, two investigations, right? The the investigation as a member of the TVA and the investigation of the TVA itself, you know, right. it's, it's, it's almost like we're with Loki as as wanting to be double agents. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have an interest in who is this other variant and I have an interest in who is the TVA and what is the TVA. Well, and it, Trey, it's kind of like what you said. He's, it's the same Loki. He still is looking for power and love and admiration and control over everyone. And so that, that moment in episode one where he sees the infinity stones and just, this is what I've been trying so hard to get, to get control. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's, Oh, well, how do I get to the timekeepers? Which if he can't charm Mobius, I don't know how he thinks he can convince the timekeepers <laughs> to do his bidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, even when, like when he goes to, I guess what say the librarian in trying to get the files. Sure. And, and just the whole charm he tried to do, and she just wasn't having any of it. Oh, it was perfect. I mean, even even in that moment, because Jude, you brought up this idea of like two lenses of this investigation that we're getting both for the TVA and of the TVA. In that moment, that's the first thing he does is like, hey, I'd like all your files on the formation of the TVA. Like he's he's poking and prodding for from both angles. Um, and that's I, I think you've kind of given me a new way to look at this as we move forward. But uh, something else I wanted to circle back to what you were saying, TJ, about how this is the, the same Loki. We see that he still wants that validation and that pride. Um, I think it is important to remember that this is a Loki who has lost his purpose. Like when you mentioned seeing the Infinity Stones or seeing himself die, like everything is kind of meaningless to him at this point. And I like that there's almost these rafts that he can like hold on to and this this sea of of no purpose where... Like it's it's at least for me, it was very special that you could see him like grab on to the work, doing the investigation work and how proud he was when able he whenever he was able to come up with the theory about like, hey, if this was me, I would be using the apocalypses to hide in this because this is how it would work. Like he's genuinely, I think at least I'm reading it as he's genuinely fulfilled in that work. And uh, I like that the show took the time to highlight stuff like that. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was great watching the switch flip at that moment. It, it was right after talking to the librarian too. So <laughs> that he goes to the librarian wanting information on the beginning of time and the timekeepers, and they all just roll their eyes at him. <laughs> but once he starts to crack the case, he just he's all in. He's he's motivated. He chases down uh, Mobius. And of course, there's where we get the great, and I love it. Yes. I think it's great. The great salad scene. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that that I'm gushing on this episode. That so 
Jude, I think I'm, you, you're right there with this being among the conversation of the, the top Disney Plus shows. But the metaphor that Loki uses is brilliant because it's so character driven for both Mobius and Loki. Uh, obviously, Loki finds a way to continue antagonizing Mobius. But even even on Mobius side, we can see that that part of him that is maybe giving a little bit too much leeway to Loki by letting him do whatever he wanted with the salad. But it's because he has this hunch that he can believe in what Loki's doing. Even if Loki's not the most honest person, you can see just through that small interaction of the leeway he's willing to give Loki. And that was just another really great way for them to demonstrate that. And I mean, Mobius is also leading him on somewhat with the, uh, I think the jet ski moment Mm -hmm. where it's just, that's, that's why I do this because because of jet skis. That's that's my glorious purpose. It's <laughs> just, uh, I mean, I, I was talking to Jude about this uh, before before coming on, but in episode one, he he deflects so many of Loki's questions. Mm-hmm. Where it's mm-hmm. he he asked him about free will. He asked him about who are the timekeepers. What is this? And and it's just the perfect Owen Wilson, just kind of like sarcastic deflection changed the subject real real smoothly but he he did the same thing for most of this episode too just don't don't worry about no no don't it's it's complicated don't worry Mm -hmm. about it Mm -hmm. maybe a cop out but i I think it's just he he's keeping the control over loki Mm -hmm. oh yeah there's clearly manipulation going on both sides yeah so i have a question uh circling back again we talked about that video with miss minute where they are illustrating that like, hey, left unchecked, uh, a rampant timeline could destroy the fabric of the universe as we know it. You know, you mentioned that we know it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, at this point, because of the Loki variant that we have started this show hunting down, stealing all the the pruning mechanisms, I forget exactly what they called it for, but they stole those devices from the TVA. So whatever timeline those were in, those never got reset. Are we... Are we already seeing a timeline that's been messed up at this point, or have they gone back and reset those timelines? Because they they illustrated that, like, hey, you know, after a certain point, you can't do this anymore. I thought they reset them. That's a good point. It didn't show up on their screen. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think of that. Well, because I mean, like, if you steal the the device that they use to reset it, like, how else would they do it? Unless TV agents could come back at a different time and reset it, but. Well, when they go to the the medieval fair and and even the the church in France, that they conduct their investigation and then set the charge later. So I guess I guess they have more time than it appeared in the tent, where they mm-hmm. have uh, just just minutes, and, and they're coming up to the deadline so quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good point. I forgot about them coming in after the fact of the church. I guess I was thrown off a little bit because that whole scene where. Loki's doing his bit about like, hey, you know, give me an audience with the timekeepers. The whole pressure of that scene is their little meter getting closer and closer to that red line. And it looks like it went past it. So I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to rewatch it again and, and hopefully figure out a little bit more of the rules there. Yeah, I, I do find it interesting that they're very and something TJ and I talked about was the level of power these reset devices have. Mm-hmm. And just how casual they are with them, like like it doesn't. Part of the investigation is, oh, you know, this variant is taking them, but it doesn't. It just seems like that's a detail. It's not like 
urgent to recollect mm-hmm. these devices mm-hmm. uh, for the level of power that they have. Oh, yeah. You can wipe out an entire universe with the push of a button. That's mm-hmm. that's the most power we've ever seen in, in the MCU, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But yeah. at least that's the impression we got in episode one. When they set the charge at the medieval fair, it was it just kind of made some things disappear. I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it might, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, the, the little branch, the Nexus moment just seemed to retract itself. So, so maybe it's different than I first read into it, but at the same time, it's, I mean, when they're making those kinds of decisions that you are the wrong timeline, so we're just going to erase you. That's, that's, that's big decisions made by the Minutemen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, Loki even has that throwaway line. He's like, hey, well, that's a nice way to say completely eradicate everything or whatever whatever verbiage that he used, but essentially saying, like, y'all are dressing up how messed up this is that y'all are able to just wipe away stuff mm-hmm. like that so easily. Yeah, and, and they do it very casually. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad we got to see it, though. Like, visually, it was really cool. <laughs> I will say the uh, the I need a hero <laughs> was just fantastic. But the audio that played beforehand, talking about will evil prevail mm-hmm. or will the hero come through and the prize is your princess, I thought was a real nice touch, mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. looking back. As someone who enjoys going to Renaissance fairs, I really enjoyed that scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the, the I Need a Hero time period was right. There was what, 1985, that song came out with oh, yeah. Footloose in 1980, uh-huh. 1984. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that was so good. Such a such a great cold open too. Like it was just boom, 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 in and out, and then title screen. So wonderful. But I think another thing I liked about that too is that it, another way this show keeps just playing with with tropes. You know, we have a time travel show. Everything you know starts up like, oh, you know, this is feeling very medieval. And then the time comes on and it's like, what, 1985? And it's like, oh, this is a Renaissance fair. I love how they just like <laughs> keep playing with those expectations like that. I will say there was one missed opportunity here. Uh huh. The lady at the Renaissance Fair, uh-huh. I was like, and you know, it's like, hey, some people need this. Talking about like uh-huh. you're out of costume, they should have had that. Should have been Agatha. Oh, <laughs> that completely there should have been Agatha. That would have been funny. Well, uh, unless we have any more, I think we can move into the next important topic, which is entitled Mobius's Gambit. Essentially, this is going to focus on everything that Mobius was dealing with in this episode, specifically the mounting pressure of the TVA not being happy with his continued trust or or willing to use Loki for the purposes of finding the other Loki variant. So, Jude, if we want to start with you this time, uh, what did you think about Mobius' interactions in this episode? The feeling I came away with from Mobius was that he wants out. Mm-hmm. Just the, the the language, the pining for the jet skis. Mm-hmm. He just got this sense of uh, got so excited to to make this work, and like he like I'm he was like I'm going on an adventure, like a little hobbit or something. Like it, I mean, it was <laughs> it, he clearly to me wanted out. Yeah, I, I know. I've talked with some about different theories. TJ, friend Daniel, and others about whether Loki is trying to take down the TVA or not, not, not mm-hmm. Loki. Um, Mobius is trying to take down the TVA or not mm-hmm. on a second watch. 
I don't know if he's like that malicious or devious and trying to take them down from the inside necessarily, but I, I really think that he wants, he, he feels uh, tired of the routine, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he wants you to think, Jude. He is. He's the the manipulator orchestrator. He's the orchestrator. Uh That's my grain of sand. (laughs) Oh, Oh, and let the record show to the listeners, I am always wrong. So I was right there (laughs) with Trey on the grain of sand for WandaVision. And here here I will. I'll be wrong again, but I'm going to stick with it. That's all right. If I... If I've learned anything in this year plus of podcasting, it's totally fine to be wrong because I do it so frequently. <laughs> but now there's going to be a recording of me being wrong. <laughs> you get used to it. <laughs> yeah, you do get used to it. I will say um, to your point, Jude, he, he had a completely different vibe in Ravana's office mm-hmm. than he did when he was talking to Loki. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it... To me, it felt like he was playing both of them. He, he was just kind of saying the right things to get her to approve his next mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second he walked out the door, he had a completely different message to Loki where he said the whole, oh, I'll give you two options. There's a, there's a cold child. I, I don't have the quote, but uh, there's someone in the cold who needs help. And, and then just I'm going to tell you what I need to to get you to do what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a complete flip of the switch for him from episode one to two, where he's talking to Loki differently. Yeah. But then being in uh, being in the office, I mean, with the water rings and all that, I, I yeah, he just kind of was putting this like, yeah, I mean, it's, this is just how it goes. You know me. But then Ravana was was coming at him with the, I've never seen the timekeepers this involved in a case. Which I don't know if she's just further pushing that that propaganda message, or if she's just mm-hmm. using that to try and scare him into doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel like there's going to be some sort of Wizard of Oz person behind the the curtain with the timekeepers. Yeah. Once it came clear of like, well, Mobius hasn't met them, and he's like, I've never met them, and mm-hmm. and and I think I think that's part of why, and that's a good point of he was very different with Loki. In episode one, with Loki in episode two, very different. His interaction with the judge was very different. Hmm. Okay, master manipulator. I'm in. I think I, <laughs> the Owen Wilson casting is just misleading all of us. He's too yeah. laid back, but really he has all the cards. Yeah. Well, when he says "Wow," it's going to be the intag pers- of the entire series. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a very gullible person who usually falls for the person who ends up being the bad person anyway. I'm going to go to bat form just a little bit. That might, that might be that, my grain of sand this tells, entire season. I guess that tells me I'm right. <laughs> I'll, ouch. I deserve that after the uh, take that. <laughs> um, I think y'all are both right. There is definitely contradictions in the way that Mobius is presenting himself, depending on who the audience is. So for example, you know, uh, Jude, you brought up a good point, I believe, about how like, oh, I've never even met the timekeepers. We see that that kind of flippant delivery of him not really buying into it all. But 
I'm skipping ahead a little bit, we get to that conversation with Loki and, and Mobius in the cafeteria, and he seems very devout to the idea of the TVA and the timekeepers of the sacred timeline. So there's there's confliction there. TJ, you brought up the conversation about the, um, you know, seeing the person alone in the, the ice or just wanting to get this job done. You know, he's putting up this front against Loki. Meanwhile, in the office, we saw Ravana mention, oh, you've always had a soft spot for broken things. So we're seeing like, there are layers to who Mobius is actually showing us of himself. The thing that I think might be the key, or at least that's the way I perceived it, is Mobius felt very genuine when he was speaking to... Did I get that right? Is Ravana Ravona? Ravana? I think Ravana. Ravana. Ravana Rinslayer. Yeah. Ravana Rinslayer. When he was speaking to Ravana Rinslayer... He was going to bat for Loki and saying, like, maybe he's changed. You know, can a person change? Isn't it possible to not be stuck in that? And she immediately retorts with, like, hey, if the, the, the timekeepers decree it. I think him having that plea about whether or not Loki can change is is almost a feeling that he has. Because, you know, I picked up on it, too. I forgot which of you said it. But that idea of, like, he wants out of this. He's not necessarily as... Uh, faithful to the idea of the TVA as he's putting on. And I think that was the key to understanding where he's out between these conflicting uh, demonstrations of his wants. Right. And his soft spot does show through later in the episode too, in the storm shelter when Mm -hmm. the, the Minuteman was just kind of pushing people around and he said, Hey, like, they shouldn't, they don't need to be afraid of us and the guys, they're going to die anyway. So I think all three of us are right. So we all have <laughs> our own grains of sand and they are all connected. <laughs> he is a good guy, Trey. He is in control <laughs> and he's trying to take them down from the inside, maybe. Huh? Well, no, and it, and it tracks because in episode one in the church in France, he was very nice and comforting to the French boy who clearly saw things that I mean, I mean, imagining in that time period and you see that kind of tech and them showing up like that blows your mind, right? Mm -hmm. You're holding gum from that. We don't know from the year 2050, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Um, and just how gentle and with them he was in, in, in comforting between that how he acted with those in the shelter and like the jet skis that again, I'm going to push this towards my idea of him wanting out. He really, I don't say envies them, but he sympathizes or empathizes with them, you know, or, or, or longs to be a part of them somehow. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. It, that, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I mentioned it last week that I enjoyed the show doing great work to distance Mobius from the TVA. Uh, Jude, you brought up that uh, that moment in the uh, the warehouse at the end of the episode where the TVA agent was being very callous to the people who were about to die, and uh, Mobius was like, "Hey, they don't have to be afraid of us." I think again, we're seeing like, it, despite whatever double crossing whose side on who double agents whatever there is a i think a good moral compass for mobius hopefully so i like again more continued work of that distance between the two uh entities mm-hmm. we brought up the um the rings you know from the from the from the glass uh-huh. and you and i trey we've talked about 
the level in which you read into and analyze something or sometimes just the curtains blue because they're blue. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I noted was when he set the glass down, there was a distinct ring and as if like it's there each time. Right. Uh, yeah. But this time was different. It was off to the side. And when mm-hmm. he got the coaster, even that was offset. And I realized I might be overanalyzing that, but the fact that they gave us a close up of it when he actually set it down and then set it down the second time and showing that variation, use that word, mm-hmm. that's another trying to bolster my idea of he, him wanting out or being different this time. Mm-hmm. That is an incredibly good catch. I like that a lot because um, we talked about it a lot last week about choice and free will. And if if this show is trying to show us like, hey, there's a set path that you have to continuously be on, it is no small matter that somebody who's enforcing that idea of like things have to go a specific way chooses to, rem- to move the drink in a non-specified place, mm-hmm. which would been the rings i know it's like in the grand scheme of things not that big of a deal but it's in those tiny choices that i think you start to build towards something greater by the end of the the episode so that that's really cool i'm glad you mentioned that yeah well and and when they were searching for the apocalypse where the variant might be hiding Mm -hmm. you know he was now i i honestly don't think mobius was doing anything by the way (laughs) i think he was just making loki do all the work and just egging him on i don't think he Mm -hmm. was doing a single thing but as he was listing out one thing after another of natural disasters especially following and i know we haven't talked about it yet but especially following the conversation that they had on existence and chaos and order um, but just following that, you know, he's listing natural disasters and just kind of like, God, I can't believe, at least the way I was reading it, I can't believe all this type of stuff happens mm-hmm. for a reason or on purpose. So, so yeah, so I, he, he wants something different. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep beating that, that, that into the ground until next episode and they completely change it. <laughs> Shoot. At the pace this, these, this season's going so far, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt a dramatic shift in what we think we know by then. <laughs> I think that's going to do it for our Mobius section. So we are going to move into the next important topic, which is entitled A Simple Conversation About Existence. So this is the scene where Loki and Mobius are discussing their origins of existence, what it means, and all those fun high concepts. And it was such an important scene that I think it's something we definitely need to um, zone in on. So starting with me this time, you know, I got mentioned a little bit earlier, but I, I wanted to bring it up again here. You know, we we see that Mobius's reason for, I guess, going in with what he believes versus what Loki believes to be true is that he says existence is chaos. You know, you just try to make some sense of it where you can. And I think the thing that was important to me about him saying that is the TVA works in in contrast to chaos so much. But in this moment where I genuinely do believe Mobius is being vulnerable and sharing with Loki, I think he fundamentally believes that chaos is that natural order. And so that's where I'm starting to feel, Jude, I wrote this down in my notes and it's, Loki is totally going to convince Mobius to help him destroy the TVA. That's going to be my grand prediction of like him mm-hmm. breaking out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 
I just wanted to point that out because I, I thought it was very important that they had him state that fundamental belief in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is where Mobius starts giving straight answers, I think, for the first time. But at the same time, there's contradictions to to what he said earlier, where like, sure, the jet skiing stuff, I don't know how serious that was, but he clearly <laughs> has all the magazines about jet skis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's this glorious time in the 90s. But then he says everything gets ruined eventually. And then to fast forward to this conversation where Loki says, what's what's the what's the end goal here? When does this, what happens at the end? And he says, we'll, we'll meet in peace at the end of time. Um, just, just the, it's the opposite. But at the same time, I, it reflects exactly the conversation he had with Loki in episode one, where, I mean, they're talking about Loki's just coming off of, just coming from New York in Avengers. And he had that moment in Avengers where he kind of realizes, well, yeah, if I take over, I mean, the Chitauri aren't going to let me have this. And so maybe I, what happens next, which is what Mobius led with in episode one. Well, what mm-hmm. happens after you succeed? And Loki said there, there will be peace. And now it's just kind of the flip of that where Mobius is the one saying, oh, no, there will be peace. And Loki responds with, well, I mean... A world without chaos sounds boring. Yeah. You know what? That's what struck me is he said there'll be peace, right? In the end, there will be peace. And about the jet skis, he's he said it's to remind him what they're fighting for. Mm-hmm. And it's still, it's not clear to me who they're fighting or what they're fighting to keep the sacred timeline. Like, yeah. like in the end, there will be peace as if it's not peaceful already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and to me in that conversation, they're, they're putting in whether or not it, there's peace within order and chaos, but it felt like he was not fully believing or he was in the process of questioning what, well, existence, his own existential, you know, what he's done for his entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the, the line of like what we're fighting for, because that, I think that stood out to me and it not really making sense and i can't tell like not not as a fault of the show like just trying to work within the parameters that the show is 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 doing with time travel and timelines and existence but you know they did such great work cuz i i'll put it on the record i fully buy into mobius really wanting a jet ski like i think it's such a small fun way to endear us to the character to give him something that he wants that seems nonsensical but he even admits to himself he'll never get to ride one because a TVA agent getting to ride a jet ski, it will for sure create variances in the timeline. So it's just never going to happen. And if that's something that he truly does want, which is what I believe, then the idea of like what we're fighting for, like, is there ever a time where he gets to experience that personal want? And I don't know. Like, I don't uh, know what. Okay. Two things. Uh huh. Um, I think he could, you know, I think, I think Mm -hmm. Loki's found a way. Right, right before an apocalypse, to go out to the lake, he's good to go. Um, Just bring but, a jet ski to Pompeii and have, and have a ball. Oh um, man! But, but if we have it, you know, oh, it I want to make a, a greetings card. Bring a, a jet ski to Pompeii. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. Continue. No, I just want to no, put that no, on the no. record. And, but but it also, as you say, it shows the restraint, right? Like we talked about it earlier, the time reset device and the the amount of power they have. Mm-hmm. Like he actually doesn't risk causing a big nexus event because of those. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to show like the restraint that that he has there on that. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like like he does have these wants. He does have these desires. And there's a, and this was my, my main thought, this element of restraint of they have the tech for him to drop in anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so the amount of, and I'm going to use this word, the amount of belief he has in what they're doing, in the timekeepers. Um, I, at some point I felt like they were shifting a little bit from a free will predestination conversation to this again, this debate on existence of where did we all come from? Mm-hmm. And if you don't know or have, let's say, let's put it this way, personally a compelling answer to that question, what what is it then that drives you? Mm-hmm. And so in, in that way, I think that's what the jet skis have become for Mobius. Well, and at the same time, the free will conversation where – that's essentially what the timekeepers are taking away. If they take all the control, that what what even is free will? I know Jude, it's it's tough for you because this is your subject area. But I mean, as a physics teacher, I've learned to accept my subjects will not be reflected correctly in most movies. So, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it, you're right. They're searching for meaning, but uh, you look at it the way they both kind of go through both sides of the coin. They both talk about, well, everything gets ruined eventually, or uh, for every living thing, choice breeds shame and uncertainty, Mm -hmm. yet the wrong path is always taken. Um, And and when Loki is asked, what will you do when you lead? Well, I'm going to take that away from them. I'm going to take away their choice so that it will be perfect. And now he's starting to realize, well, is, I guess that's what the timekeepers are doing, and I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like it. And so, kind of to Trey's point too, it's is Mobius convincing Loki of what needs to be done, or the other way around? It's kind of maybe they both come to the conclusion together through these, I guess, existential crises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you this because I from a physics standpoint and we had this conversation about before the pod you and I about whether or not how deep we want you'd want to go into into physics and stuff but my very rudimentary understanding of physics like I I need to just sit in on your class next year um at the at the quantum type level it is chaos or it's all about probability right right and so in, in that way, the TVA, it, from a physics standpoint, is like suppressing that, if, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. And again, I know the physics will break down in, in real world, but, but like Ant-Man and the Wasp, is gonna, the title of it is quantum mania. You know, mm-hmm. they're dealing with the multiverse and they're dealing with, and they've already introduced going down to, you know, and again, non- very non-realistic ways, the subatomic level. But like when they're talking about chaos, that's kind of what they're leaning towards, right? Yeah, it's 
they the timekeepers are protecting one timeline. So it's not that I guess Miss Minutes said it will create a multiverse or something. I I, I remember I th- I thought I remembered hearing that at some point. If the multiverse exists, it already exists. And so basically what they're doing is preventing other universes from affecting this one glorious protected sacred universe and so that's i guess what we get with these loki variants is there aren't a thousand different lokis that exist in this one timeline the the others that they showed at the beginning of the episode must have jumped from somewhere else and the Mm -hmm. tvas it it shows variants just from existence and and that's kind of that's where for me it's does it break down? I'm not sure. But if you make the wrong choice, like the Goldman Sachs guy in the first episode, you, mm-hmm. you just you already existed in this timeline. You just made the wrong choice. So we're going to reset you. But uh, if they're if they're jumping from other universes, that's I guess that that's got to be the bigger priority for for them. Right. Because if you can make that kind of jump, you you know things. You know you have to know about the TVA. I would assume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, that was the whole purpose in that animatic, right? Is that at one point there was the great multiverse war where everybody was fighting for you know between the the different universes, and that's where the TVA was born to create the one structured timeline, and. Uh, two things came to mind. Uh, TJ, you mentioned the different Loki variants. We saw like the big hulking Loki. We saw the all blue Loki. And the like soccer or World yeah. Cup Loki. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's going to be an yeah. action figure for that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, there's probably the... going to be a Funko Pop. Yeah, you see those Funko Pops, the variants. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, uh, getting back to what I was saying, the um, just the idea of those variants i think supports what you're saying tj about there having to be an outside of this timeline multiverse because the way that the animatic illustrated it was you know slight small changes are enough to disrupt the sacred timeline i don't see how the loki that we know from the movies can be a slight small change to the hulking loki like i just don't see what small change that could be like there has to be something else out there that is i guess fighting for control maybe and and the last point and this is where i'm definitely stepping outside my uh zone because the only thing i can critique is hedge trimming but the the idea that the tva itself can exist and control the timeline must mean that they're outside the influence of the sacred timeline itself which it's illustrated by Mobius being able to choose on the the drink, right? Yeah, I would think so. It seems like, like the timekeepers. I don't know. I I feel like they have to be a part of this somehow. Mm-hmm. Like 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 right. They have some kind of awareness, I guess, of the other universes in order to have that type of suppression. Mm-hmm. But there's something important about. And I'll use this term because of the, the topic where it's something important about this existence. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe they Dr. Stranged it and saw their demise and they're trying to force their one way so they survive. Hmm. More of a self-protection thing than anything. 
Yeah. Sure. Although I'm really curious because the other way the show could go, and I, I think they're playing with our expectations a little bit. They, you know, meaning Marvel, it could be the case that there are no timekeepers. Hmm. Right. Like it again, I, I think of wizard of Oz. I think of, um, you see the movie equilibrium and you expect this big thing and it's been this character all along in front of you. That's in charge kind of controlling everybody and i do wonder because here we touched on this whole idea free will predestination existence you know is there chaos is there order which one's better what is peace and it did have some some strands of this this whole idea of you know we can if we give people something to believe in and they think it's Mobius's line. If they think it's real, then it is real, and that mm-hmm. keeps them in line. And I think probably because the the show can go so many different ways at this point. Um, whether or not the timekeepers are actually a thing, at least in the way it's being presented. Mm-hmm. I think if that's the the twist, I I imagine people will be so upset. <laughs> like I don't want to compare it to like. Uh, Jude, you and I have talked about Star Wars quite a bit, but mm-hmm. just just having a twist for the sake of a twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I've told I've talked about the propaganda feeling, mm-hmm. and, and I'm with you. I feel like maybe they're not, they don't have as much control or knowledge of what's happening as they put on, but. Mm-hmm. To just say they there are no timekeepers, haha, that that would be. I don't well, that's know. like that's like emotionally telling us Chewbacca is dead and then bringing him back. Sure. <laughs> Dude, there's so many things we disagree on when it comes to Star Wars. I'm so glad that we can agree at least on <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> well, I made. And that's all I'll say. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drag Star Wars through the mud today. <laughs> well, I figured I should. You know, I'm glad TJ brought up Star Wars because my brother, Daniel, sent me a text and he was like, man, do you have to on every episode take a shot at the Snyder episode, the Snyder cut? <laughs> and and so, so I and I was like, okay, I need to stop. <laughs> I'll, I'll, th- I'll throw it towards, you know, so I'm glad you brought up Star Wars. I can throw it that way. <laughs> we need a new punching bag every week. <laughs> uh, but TJ, I think you're right, though. Like, could be done well, I guess, if it's not a twist for its own sake. But but with the build, I just think like with the build up and knowing Kang's coming and seeing those little hints, sure. um, and and we've seen them. When I say them, Marvel's creators be clever enough. Well, I'm, I'm gonna go both ways. We've seen them being clever enough to like play with our expectations, but also dare I say absent minded of enough, because mm-hmm. like the whole Reed Richards thing. And just to say, like, they had no intention. That was just a line in there. Mm-hmm. And it didn't realize that that's what fans would do. Mm-hmm. Um, start speculating when, when you start talking about the aero engineer and stuff. So, so yeah. So, I could go both ways on that. But I, I, I do mm-hmm. see TJ's point and think you're right if it goes mm-hmm. that extreme. But they did salvage a lot of the time travel explanations after Endgame where... I mean, I know a lot of people thought that was just like the 
just the deus ex machina, the just the perfect, like, oh, of course, we'll just go back in time. And then just having it lead to this, where once you open that door, and I mean, the multiverse, if there's a multiverse, then that means there's infinite everything. That means there's multiple timekeepers even. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It, it does kind of tie that up a little bit and, and I guess help it to not just be the perfect solution. Oh, Steve Rogers will just go back and put everything back where we found them. It is interesting that the timekeepers, quote unquote, allowed for all that, but not Loki just just making one more nexus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and there it makes you wonder what nexus events, what changes threaten their existence. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that can actually move us into the next topic because we've been touching on some things that lead up to the climax of this episode. Our last important topic will be titled The Better Variant. Now, this will deal with everything about that final scene of the episode where they're going through the warehouse in Alabama up until the point that we finally get a look at our variant that we have been looking for in these first two episodes, which is presumably a Lady Loki. And they end their episode by bombing the sacred timeline. So, TJ, uh, I think we're back up to you now. Uh, What'd you think? Okay, so first impression, even at the very beginning of the episode, is that Randy knows a lot about the TVA. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it made me wonder if she was a variant before that maybe Mobius had tried to, I don't know, do the same tactic. Mm -hmm. And she just learned all the things. She knows how to use the tech. She knows, she knows historical events from the sacred timeline. So kind of like I mentioned before, I'm, I'm assuming she had to have come from a different universe but she knows so many things like which historical events to bomb. Like there was a list. I only got a few of them, but she sent one to Titan and Vormir and 1947, New York, I wrote down and Xandar Mm -hmm. even. So, I mean, she, she picked specific places and moments in time so she's strategic and she had, I mean, she knows all, I guess, the inner workings of the TVA. So to get that kind of information, she's not just a run of the mill variant. No. And I was, I, I had a same similar note. Like, how does it, how did the variant know about the apocalypse? Like, like it, it made me wonder if it was a, like you said, an insider in some way. Cause that's, that was just a whole lot of knowledge just to be at what, what am I looking for? Um, be in know, the right it, place at the right yeah, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that, that was something I hadn't even considered, but that you, you make so much sense. And it's, it's making a line that stuck out to me, but I didn't have anything to say. So I didn't write it down, but there was a moment where when everything's breaking loose and Mobius is discovering that things are wrong, that TVA agent says, your favorite Loki got away. That line, I don't know. I mean, it could be because obviously they're dealing with multiple Lokis and everybody has been skeptical of Mobius's tactics using our variant Loki to help track them down. 
But under that lens of what you were saying, TJ, about maybe being a pasting protege of Mobius, I guess. I don't know. That line sticks out to me as like people are familiar with this going wrong before. Right. It's the librarian, really everyone is they, I think they know what happens when you give a Loki too Mm -hmm. much information. But at the same time, if, if this had happened before, and this is what caused the lady Loki variant to just go off the wall like this, I feel like the conversation in Ravana's office would have been very different. No, I think you're right. I think I think that would have been very. I don't know. Ravana has a has, is interesting because she has that that confidence in the timekeepers mm-hmm. or herself. Who knows? Maybe she's the timekeeper, but she has that that confidence of like for the timeline always thing. But but I agree. If this was something. I think the urgency would be there. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I, I go with the whole, I don't know if they feel like they fully understand. I don't fully understand, but appreciate the power they have. Because, because to me, when, when at the end they start showing those little reset charges, mm-hmm. I thought from, from episode one, okay, she had a couple of them. She had a lot more than a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah. And and that scene in particular, I mean, again, I've been beating the drum about how smart this show has been about educating us. The fact, I mean, I mean, that's a scary sight alone. But the fact that for me personally, seeing all those created so much anxiety and the potential and then watching the timeline start diverging back on their monitors, like it's a massive amount of power that they're dealing with there. And it's yeah. I, I don't know if I've picked they, up on that, like not appreciating it yet, but I, you're starting to make me see that, Jude, about the TVA kind of just being blasé about it. Well, you got kind of two types of employees at the TVA. And I think even, I don't, it might have been Mobius mentioned something about it, but Casey, especially, just the dopey office guy mm-hmm. from episode one, who's just like, what, yeah. what's a fish? <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've, I've been at this desk my whole life. So it's the timekeepers. Are they creating these employees? And, or, or, I mean, I guess that's going into a different conversation, but the, the way the office people are just so casual about all of it, like it's just any other Mm -hmm. desk job. And then the Minutemen on the other hand are just so, I guess, I don't know. They're just so Mm -hmm. sure of themselves and pushy and no, like absolutely I, we we need to reset this timeline so yeah there's some confidence in uh in the timekeeper's choices but also that they are very casual about a lot of it mm-hmm. so okay i have a theory and a question i'll give the i'll, I'll ask my question and give the theory and then and then let y'all go so okay what do you think is happening when lady loki like grabs her hand and switches what do you think is happening to him? Because we see C20 saying over and over again, it was real, it was real. And then mm-hmm. she says, I want to go home. And then so my theory off of that makes you wonder, are most of the people, not necessarily all of them, but most of the people at the, that work at the TVA actually variants at one time? Lady Loki maybe revealed something to them. Yeah. That, that would make sense. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about that. That that makes sense just because of that line. I want to go home. And 
I, the just based off Mobius's conversation about the jet skis and this is what we're fighting for and how we were talking about like oh there's there's clear wants but this resignation of like it can't happen because they are TVA agents and they have to protect this timeline. I don't know what the feeling of going home, like having, I guess, finding comfort in that of like, oh, I want to go home. I want to go home. This is where I'll be safe. Like that doesn't feel like what the TVA is to them. It's just their purpose. And so I don't know. Um, I, I'm i going to be thinking about that all weekend, about whether or not the other TV agents were once variants. <laughs> huh. I'll say this just to answer your question, because you mentioned, you know, what do you think is happening to him? I I just took it at face value of this consciousness being pushed to the side and mm-hmm. the Loki variant being able to, to be behind the wheel. I don't, I don't see it being like. Um, uh, like they're teleported somewhere else, if that makes sense. It's just kind of like an unconscious state of being. Yeah. I mean, maybe they maybe she showed them them in another universe. Mm hmm. Going off of C20's kind of ranting moment, it I thought it was interesting when she said she she told her how to get to the timekeepers as if the Minutemen have that kind of information. Mm-hmm. If if Mobius hasn't even met them before, why would she know, oh no, this is how you right. get to them? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That and this is, I completely recognize that this is me reaching, but it makes me reexamine what Mobius says about like, oh, I've never met them. Oh, I shouldn't say that one. Shouldn't say that. That one looks interesting. It makes me wonder if there is a choice on the TVA agent's part to be able to visit the timekeepers, possibly. And it's just something that Mobius has refused up until this point for an unspecified reason. He's so noble of him. <laughs> it is like i you know so reverent i don't want to be in the timekeeper's presence uh-huh <laughs> hey that's how much he believes in it well while we're sticking in this section um basically the final scene um you know there's so much of that interplay before we get the reveal of the loki variant that we've been hunting between our our variant and trying to get into each other's minds um uh, I've, I mentioned it before when we were doing our what to expect. Um, it's it's almost this feeling. I use so many gaming vocabulary for this. It's almost this feeling of like a new game plus for Loki, where we've already seen we've already seen him deal with pushing past insecurities and um, you know using this false idea of self to make him seem more important than he is. All that's been taken care of in the movie timeline. The fact that he's having to do this again but literally with different versions of himself because like they kept mentioning like, oh, the better version, the superior version. He's having to face those conflicts again. And I just love that meta feeling of um, really diving into that story hook of Loki. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mobius seemed to use that to just drive. uh, Are we calling him our our variant? Is that how we refer? Uh, Right. That's how I've referred to it. I don't know how else. Yeah, because I was going to say... I say current uh, I think Loki. Power works. Current hour. Either way, mm-hmm. they would take issue with the title of this section be being the better variant. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't say the who specifically variant. was the better variant. 
It could be left up to interpretation. <laughs> oh, there's no question. No question at all. Randy is the better variant. But I, I say that because, I mean, it, it's kind of how Mobius can can manipulate Loki with that just such mm-hmm. something so simple. We're going to fight the superior version of you. And Loki, Mr. Pride, Mr. I like to be right. That that he, that's enough for him to just be like, well, mm-hmm. I got to go take care of this. Lady Loki even said, "I'm I'm not trying to take over the TVA. This isn't about you." And so, like, it, it was so short, I guess, having her little conversation. But she's she's superior in that. It doesn't seem she's just looking for a way to gain power, like mm-hmm. like our variant. If that makes sense. There's definitely much deeper motivations, it would seem. Because there is like... Right. There is... Uh, I don't know how to like... Well, I was going to say, she's not blind... Well, the impression so far, she's not blinded by self-interest. The way the current slash yeah. our Loki is. Even to the point, like, I know it's a small thing, but I mean, she was disgusted by like, oh, don't call me Loki. Like, mm-hmm. it's such a flip from somebody who is so self-centered with himself to like, even just hearing the name Loki is enough to make her... Um, upset by it. So uh, I think you saying not uh, self-centered is a great way of putting it. But I was getting at, I I get this feeling of rage from this, this lady Loki of like, there has been a wrongdoing, which again is me reaching. I know we haven't had a, a lot yet, um, but there it feels purposeful behind just creating chaos or trying to get mm-hmm. power. Oh, I think she's trying to save her own universe, her own timeline. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I, I think, I think if you, especially, I mean, if you think about villain motivations, you know, TJ mentioned just finishing Black Panther and Killmonger's motivations, you know, you think of Ant-Man the Wasp and Ghost's uh, motivations, uh, Thanos's mm-hmm. motivations, they've done really well, even Mysterio's motivations, they've done really well of making this shift of villains, of uh, Vulture, in terms of motivation is a is not just oh this you know I, I let's take over the world pinky in the brain kind of thing uh, <laughs> you know and and so and so it, there's gonna be I, I feel like this noble-ish cause you know maybe mm-hmm. in the wrong way definitely something that I, I mean I don't want to say justifiable but it's kind of like the mm-hmm. Car- Carly Morgenthau like yeah the the means to get there aren't great but she's making Mm -hmm. a lot of sense and so that's i mean i don't want to jump ahead but that's that's i think where where we start episode three Mm -hmm. well and tj you and i had this conversation a lot with falcon the winter soldier about uh these the they're not just henchmen they're actual people you're fighting Mm-hmm. And if you pull that thread through here, as far as we can tell, aside from the Lokis, when there's a variant that gets reset, they're not aware of the TVA and that they made the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. And, and they just kind of, right, yeah. you didn't fall in line, so we're going to get rid of you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, pre- that's pretty drastic. <laughs> it's callous. Yeah, and so I like kind of where you you talked about anger or vengeance of some kind mm-hmm. being the driver, 
where you see that kind of thing happen. And I mean, the first thing we see from from her in episode mm-hmm. one is burning people in a field. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty extreme. <laughs> Just a bit. That's, that's a little extreme. <laughs> but I mean, there's got to be some anger, vengeance with the mm-hmm. TVA specifically. Well, it's almost this just came to me you talked about how well coordinated she was and how in the know she was about the tva and was able to figure out things um it's to me in this moment it's very reminiscent of zemo look how much he despised the avengers and how much work and education he put in towards being able to dismantle them that feels like this lady loki vibes all over for me and i think the thing that's coming to me now too is like it's amazing how much just the short presence that she's had in this episode has spurned so many questions and conversations um, because she's really not in the episode that long, but just just her presence alone has sparked so many potentials for the show. And it's really exciting. Well, and another thought that kind of just came to me, too, is it's not in the character of any Loki we've ever seen mm-hmm. to look for revenge uh, for I guess the the wiping out of a timeline type of thing when this one brings the Ragnarok file to Mobius and he says, okay, I found one Ragnarok and Mobius says, oh yeah, I'm sorry. And he just, just mm-hmm. brushes it off. Yeah. Like they played it up like he was really torn up about it. But when he gets to Mobius with the file, he's just like, oh no, no, no not bad. Like I got important things to mm-hmm. tell you where it's, I mean, sure, this is a different version of Loki from another universe. They, the personalities would be very different. But to think of the drive being, well, you took away my timeline or my people or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I need to get back at you. I don't know. That just that doesn't feel like a Loki thing. No. Yeah. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You know what? It, it's... It's interesting because you bring that up and you, you know, and I'm going to kind of pair that with that first episode when he's like, you're the God of mischief. And this doesn't Mm -hmm. seem very mischievous. This destroying the sacred timeline does not seem mischievous. Oh no. But you're right. It's not a Loki thing either because he's, he's driven for power. And she clearly states, or maybe I guess it was Randy at the time that, you know, I'm not interested in taking over the TV. Something I want to bring up. I don't know if you've listened to it mm-hmm. yet, Trey. The Kermode on Film podcast, which I really enjoy. Uh, I think I even sent or texted you an episode, TJ, uh, when they talked about like the time travel, time story genres. Um, and Mark Kermode is one of my favorite film critics. They just did an episode. This week's episode was on, came out Monday, on ghost stories. And that's Mark Kermode's favorite kind of story or genre is ghost stories. And he talked about how the themes of ghost stories is this idea of it's about us, like we're the ghost. And there's always you're you're wrestling with some kind of wrong or that. So the ghost is restless and you have to make right in some form or fashion and he he, make, he makes this line about about how we are the ghost and that line there where he says me i presume 
and she says back, please, if anyone is anyone, mm-hmm. you're me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a ghost story. This is about, I mean, clearly like basic story, but just this, that idea of having to go through and come to grips with him, mm-hmm. with himself um, and things you've done in the past and, and all of those. It was, it was like, it, it recontextualized, that podcast helped recontextualize for me a little bit of what this, um, maybe this genre is or the themes mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be using. I uh, highly recommend listening to not just that podcast, but that episode. Yeah, that sounds really fascinating. I'll definitely have to check that out. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap up for the bulk of our review for Season 1, Episode 2 of Loki, which will leave us with our stray thoughts. So, uh, TJ, we can start with you again. Uh, What were your stray thoughts for this episode on things we didn't get to cover? Okay, the first, I mentioned to Jude last week uh, in the first episode when I I just couldn't tell if the TVA lived outside Mm -hmm. of time. Because Mobius said, you know, time's a little different here. But at the same time, when they were in the church, one of the Minutemen said, oh, this is the sixth murder or whatever mm. attack this week. And so, I I mean, I paid close attention to those kinds of details. But then this episode, there was more, more kind of references to that. Like, oh, no, 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 With it, it definitely showed that the TVA mm-hmm. does experience time and they're not just living outside of a timeline. They have the ability to jump around the sacred timeline, but mm-hmm. time is still, I guess, moving forward for mm-hmm. them in a sense. Mm-hmm. I also thought the illusion projection explanation at the beginning, while that might have just been a bit, I thought maybe that's uh-huh. maybe that's going to matter at some point mm-hmm. where he went through all that, I guess, trouble of explaining there. No, no, there's a difference. Like maybe Mobius is actually a Loki and that's why he can't put the glass on the right oh. water ring. Jude. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's a stretch. That's not my <laughs> grain of sand. It's, 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 you know what? Like they showed so many different variants of Loki it could be. It could be. This isn't the right Mobius. No, it's not. <laughs> that's a bold. That's a bold prediction. I love it. We're gonna have Luke Wilson show up. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. I mean, my other one was sentient Siri, but I already threw that one in. Yeah, those are good. Uh, what about you, Jude? You got any straight thoughts? Uh, do I ever? Um, no. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. There was a line at the Renaissance Fair where they said allowing time to heal its wounds. I thought it was just uh-huh. an interesting way to phrase it, uh, as if like the timeline has its own. It, it was sentient in in a mm-hmm. in a weird way. So I, I thought that that was kind of an interesting way to phrase that. I had a note here. I don't know how serious I want to take it, but I was like, is the judge the villain? Only because they were playing classical music when we end up in the office, and that's, you know, the trope. Uh-huh. I do think that when the, we were watching the, you know, the destroying of the salad, you know, the metaphor of Ragnarok, mm-hmm. my thought was like, this is something completely our students would do. 
Like, like they would get super <laughs> excited and like just start doing this without realizing what they're what they were doing. Um, you know, uh, uh-huh. Pompeii. I loved the, that scene, and and my note watching it was like, "Is Loki going to become Mothman?" Like, you think of like the Mothman <laughs> prophecies, where where there's rumors of like seeing, you know, um, this Mothman before a natural disaster happens. Uh-huh. Uh, which I think Brother Daniel's like really fa- interested and fascinated with. We didn't touch on this line: the "No one bad is truly bad, and no one good is truly good." During the, during one of those conversations, so that was such a moment where we're definitely going to see that come back around. Uh, I was a little, you know, I was curious to see how they were going to project, you know, twenty fifty because that's where what twenty twenty one. It's not that far off. I guess right. what the future would look like. Um, there is no such thing as a Cat Eight hurricane uh, living near the coast for so many years. Cat Five is as far hey, as it 2050. goes. Twenty fifty, twenty fifty, maybe <laughs> so. Climate change, um, and we're just gonna have to bump up those categories. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh my gosh, I love the rotary phone. When he was in such a rush and he had the rotary phone of trying to make the call when the sacred timeline was <laughs> was, was all going, was getting ready to blow up. My brother Daniel sent me, told me this and it was, it was interesting. Uh, in comic books, they'll put out variant covers uh-huh. you know, where other artists will do or a blank cover that, and, and I get these where you can buy a blank cover and draw on it. Um you know, so I don't know if that was intentional, calling them variant, kind of that comic connection, but that was kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. And the last thing I was going to say, we keep saying Lady Loki. Um, there's a few hints that this variant isn't a Loki. And the the big one there was like, during the fight, Loki said, I would never treat me like this. Which makes me wonder, to what degree is this, is this a, a misdirect? Of yeah. saying it is you and, and, and it's not actually Loki. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are my straight thoughts. Cool. You made me think of another one with the Cat 8 hurricane where they're going through the list of all these apocalyptic events, just mm-hmm. old predictions where it's, this isn't like the Simpsons predicting that the Cubs are going to win the World Series. This is yes. This is stuff we don't want them to get right. Yeah, this is this is stuff that is now on film that we're going to look back on and be it's, like, oh, Bob, yeah. they nailed it. It's going to bite them in the butt. It's a lot, Disney. Disney owns oh, the Simpsons so now. Hey, good point. So, stray thoughts, Trey. For me, I just wanted to mention that I really love that line at the Renaissance Festival from one of the participators or one of the runners where she was just like, hey, some of us really need this. Like, I just yeah. that was such a great line. It made me laugh. Also wanted to mention that it was very reminiscent of Doctor Strange. Uh, whenever Loki was in the TVA searching for information, reminded me of that scene with Wong a lot. Um, thought that was cool. Uh, Jude, you mentioned about the projecting out into the 2050 Um I actually enjoyed the little small touches that they did. There wasn't a lot, but I love like the badge that was like digital and it was saying like, Hey, my name is Randy. Mm-hmm. How can I help you? Um, when they first walked into the store, there was like this, this cone shaped droid. 
that was going across the floor. I don't know what it was. We didn't spend too much time with it, but there were just small touches. Oh, and the uh, the giant hologram as they were yeah. entering from the yeah. outside. So those those little touches were cool. I, I um, like that the power grid in 2050 was much better. To be in the middle yeah. of a Cat 8 hurricane, and they still had power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew a hurricane could be so hopeful? Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much it. I didn't have too many stray thoughts uh, in this episode. That yeah. Well, uh, that leaves us with our final section, which is our predictions for next week's episode. Uh, so, Jude, we can start with you this time. Uh, do you have any predictions for next week? Oh man, predictions. Um... Which, by the way. We completely whiffed and forgot it last week. <laughs> we did, didn't we? We did. We were like, we were so like, hey, that went really well. And then the next day, I think I texted you first thing in the morning. We forgot predictions. <laughs> um, God, predictions for next episode. I don't know. I, I, I feel really conflicted on what to predict. Mm-hmm. Just because Loki in the end goes through the little time window. Mm-hmm. Have no idea where they're gonna where they're gonna end up, and as far as I know, the sacred timeline has just been shattered. Mm-hmm. Man, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, would you like? It would, is. It's like it's it's like go back to the quantum physics thing where it's like all the probability, and it's like once I look at it, then I'll see it. But right uh-huh. now, it's all these possibilities going on. <laughs> we can come back. To yeah, you come you back want. to me. Okay, uh, TJ, how about you? Well, it doesn't seem like the TVA is going to be able to contain all of these out nexus events. I, I will say that. I was telling Jude last week that I, obviously my orchestrator mm-hmm. theory, but also that uh, you, one of the satisfying things about time travel shows or movies is when you get to the end and you realize something that was just mm-hmm. so hinted at before, which... Since this one's not really now after episode two, it's not really showing that it's going to be a loop type of situation. I told him I thought Loki was going to, I guess, grow into that that person that they told him in mm-hmm. episode one they were hunting. So now that that doesn't look quite the same, he's he's with Randy, and they're going to, I, I guess, it's going to open with finding out Randy's true motivation, uh, which, which I think is going to answer a lot of questions, but also kind of give us that Carly Morgenthau moment of just, I don't know, a little bit of empathy. Maybe Mm -hmm. the show's going to turn Loki into the hero though, (laughs) because it was Mobius's plan from the beginning. Ooh, that'll be good. Man, throwing the gauntlet down. I like that a yeah. lot. Yeah, I think it was. I think it's option A. I think he's, he feels bad for the scared little boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey. Well, yeah, I can go. Um, my prediction, uh, TJ. It's it's kind of there adjacent to yours. You're talking about next week being a very um, Randy episode where we learn a lot about their uh, motivations. My prediction, I was keeping it small. I think we're going to get a Mobius-less episode. I think it's going to focus so much more on our Loki and this new Loki just hashing it out and and discovering a lot of the pieces that we've been missing so far. And part of me says that just because 
I don't I want as much Owen Wilson as we can possibly get. So hopefully using my powers of being wrong, I can make the <laughs> more Owen Wilson appear. <laughs> uh, OK, so I'm going to go out on this limb and say we're going off of what we were saying in terms of how much Randy, Lady Loki uh, knew about the TVA and the timekeepers. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're going to learn through that character more about the about the TVA and the timekeepers like we're going to have the the kind of like we've gotten the propaganda view mm-hmm. and I, I think they're going to give us the other side of it now that, oh, that's that's what I'll agree. go with awesome well I think that's going to do it for this episode TJ I just want to say thank you so much for joining us this has been a lot of fun this has been so much fun. And as a as a longtime listener, guys, it's been very strange for me <laughs> to be able to interject my thoughts while I listen to you. That's well just just <laughs> wait till Monday when you listen back. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> that I am very curious now to know like of the guests we've had on, how many have gone back and listened to their episode. Because whenever we put out that every in tag bonus episode uh leech was listening to that and they were shocked to hear themselves because they hadn't listened to the episodes that they've been on <laughs> uh yeah I, it took me a couple of couple of episodes to get used to hearing my own voice but you'll get it it, it happens perfect yeah and uh, look the invitation's always open so hopefully you'll have plenty of more practice of getting to to listen to yourself back on mondays and of course, uh, if you aren't already, you definitely should check out all the incredible stuff that TJ is doing at TJ underscore build stuff on Instagram. Uh, you have a link tree as well that we can link to that has your website for the Dadalorian stuff, uh, the woodworking you do and your TikToks, by the way. I forgot to mention at the beginning that those are incredibly fun to watch. That's a great behind the scenes look at your builds. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, make sure that you're following everything TJ's doing. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us. And of course, for us, if you have any comments on this episode or things you want to reach out to us, you can always reach us at MCU Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you would like to join our Discord, we have a lovely community of people who are as just as excited about this episode as we are. Um, come join us. Have a fun discussion. Yeah. And don't forget, when you get on the Discord, make sure you go to the roll assign, click on the little eye emoji so you can have access to the spoiler channels. Um, actually, this episode was titled as we record, I don't know it yet, but we put up a poll in the discord, uh, to let those in the discord actually vote on some options. Uh, so if you want to participate in that, please join the discord. Uh, also please make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast on Apple podcast. Make sure you give us a rating and review. We always welcome the feedback. Uh, and of course share with a friend. Yeah. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work in his SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude and TJ, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Trey. Thanks, guys. We'll see you all next week. I'm not editing the episode this week, so I don't know if I'm out of line here, but it's not often that we have a physics teacher on the podcast, so I, I would love to hear any of those interjections. Sure. I was wondering if you guys planned that, the the physics teacher for the time travel show. <laughs> no, actually. 
Not at all. I, I don't think I learned about you being a physics teacher until you mentioned you were going to say something about the truck and the <laughs> and my nitpicking with it last step last if, season. Hey, if you want me to go to bat for you, I can pick apart the physics of that completely. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. <laughs> and you can put that in the end tag if you want to. But <laughs> basically, Trey, just so you can reuse this later with Jude. The jetpack would just basically press Sam into the front of the truck, and it would be just a gruesome, terrible scene right out of the boys. It would be just, <laughs> just awful. I was thinking about this just to, to like salvage my point. And again, not often you have a physics teacher. Would it have worked if Sam would have used the wings to prop up the truck rather than him himself? Would they have been? able to do that because i mean it's assuming vibranium yeah i don't yeah, think it would crush there's a if there is a metal like vibranium substance that would help because i mean it's kind of it's misused in almost every action movie is that mm-hmm. i just have well most of them have superpowers so that's the justification mm-hmm. so i think because sam didn't have the serum he's got human strength and no matter mm-hmm. how much you work out there are limitations to what the human skull and just bones and <laughs> tissue can withstand mm-hmm. it's not just- dude you can't see it my hands are straight up like i just got a field goal <laughs> hey man thank you props he's really strong he can throw that shield really fast but <laughs> if you're between a truck and a jetpack oh it's not gonna go well <laughs> TJ, I know we're going to have to have you on for more episodes, not because you went to bat for me, but because you've delivered us a jet ski in Pompeii, and if you were between a truck and a <laughs> wingspan or whatever, I just need more of these TJ-isms in my all life. Right. You got it. <laughs> they're, all, they're all going in a sticker, okay. all going in a mug. Oh, yeah, there we go. We'll get the merch. <laughs> oh, man.